And welcome to Tea Time. That's right. We are back for another week of three incredible guests. And today we are in the United States and Canada. We are in two countries today. So this morning, this afternoon, and this evening, we are doing two countries. So be sure to check us out. So if you would like to know more about Miss Liz, check out Miss Liz's YouTube channel, subscribe and ring that little bell and you're going to get all of these incredible tea times. So this morning I have an incredible young man in the studio with me and he is going to be talking some real, real hard shit. That's right. We're going there. We're going to, we're going to do some real shit this morning. So grab your teas, grab your coffees, and we're going to really open up some doors and we're going to serve you a good, strong TEA. So before we get started, we're going to do the disclaimer, the bio, and all of that good stuff. And then we're going to get Markle T. Johnson in, in the studio, and we're going to spill some TEA with you. So the disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time Live shows. Miss Liz, myself, is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forth dialogue and opinions that are not representative of my, of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the given time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussion for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that the show is engaging in discussion forums only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about this disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, at my email at bookymissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in today's show in any aspect, I, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that the show is not made for you at this time, I respect it and I will see you at a later show at a later date and time. Again, all tea times this year are done on Thursday, unless it is a rescheduled tea time, then they will be done on a Monday or Tuesday. So now let me get into Marco 
And who is Markle T. Johnson? Well, Markle T. Johnson was born and raised in central New Jersey and is a graduate of Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Markle has worked in the production industry for over 20 years, speaking everywhere from schools, churches, and other live events. Growing up, Markle idolized many different men, including Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Michael Jackson, Eddie Murphy, Michael Jordan, and Tupac Shakur. All of these figures inspired Markle to follow his dreams, embrace his passion, and speak his mind. By far, however, Markle's greatest idol was his father, Willie. Markle's father was a very strict man due to his own struggles in life that many men of color, African Americans, must unfortunately deal with. When he looks back on his life, Markle regrets ignoring the life lessons his father taught him. However, when his when he thinks about the man he became today, the way he tells it like it is, the way he tries to lift others up and his willingness to help others, he is reminded that he is a walking example of his father's teaching. So I'm going to get Markle in here. And if you'd like to see the full ball bio of Markle, check out Miss Liz's Facebook page. All of that good stuff is in there. So let's get Markle in here and let's spill some good tea with you this morning. So welcome, Markle. Hey, what's going and on? I'm, and I, am I saying Marklin? I'm, I'm, I'm saying your name wrong. I'm saying Marklin. You totally said it wrong. It's first of all, you just said it right. You literally just said it right. But I caught right. myself. I was you just like. It. You're like, Markle. I'm like, well, it sounds like my biography, but that don't sound like who she's talking about. I don't know. I caught myself. I was like, what am I saying? Marco, Marco. I have a bro- an ex-brother-in-law that is named Marco. I guess he must be talking about me this morning, ringing my ears or something. But it's Marklin T. Johnson. I am so sorry for that, Marklin. So the minute, to- she's, the minute there's no pressure to say the name the right way, all of a sudden the name is said pronounced correctly. <laughs> then before that, she's like, nah, I'm just going to wing it. Just Marco. <laughs> That's what we're going to call him the whole entire time. <laughs> It's morning here. I, I haven't even had my first tea yet. So, but Mark Lynn, now I have it right. Mark Lynn, let's get it. Let's get it in there. Uh, so Mark Lynn, tell us a little bit who you are and all of that good stuff. And let's start from the little boy to the big boy. Oh man. Uh, it's funny too, because uh, I'm trying to, well, I'm not trying. I do stand up and because I do stand up, I'm writing more about my old stuff and more about me personally. So it's 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 a big really instead of just writing jokes to write jokes, I'm trying to make them a little bit more personal. And it's weird right now because I'm literally I hate using the word literally. I'm trying my best to remember things from my past as well as things from now. So past i was just i was reckless i you know and what i mean by reckless i wasn't doing drugs i wasn't you know going around committing crimes i just i wandered around life aimlessly i never fit in i never felt i fit in um i was always that kid that had a big mouth and would say what i wanted to say and kind of always wanted to move when i wanted to move and as a kid i think people don't people don't really listen to kids when kids know something's off when kids know something's not there and traditional school was never for me. Traditional traditional school was something. And, and a problem is in a, in a room with 99 people that do what they're programmed to do. If you're that one person that won't do what you're programmed to do, you're the problem. We don't think about that. That one person that doesn't want to do what they're programmed to do could actually be onto something for them. 
you kind of know who you are. And I spent my whole entire life trying to fulfill what everybody wanted me to be. Everybody wanted me to get a corporate job or get some sort of a trade and just do work, just work and, and, and be miserable like everybody else. And, you know, over the years, I've learned to be financially unstable. I've learned to be, you know, financially not, not that well off. And when I say that, I'm not saying it as a brag, but when you don't like what you're doing, you find other ways to compensate. So I shopped a lot. You know, I would spend my last dime because I didn't care because it's aimless. This is bull. And it was fu it's funny um, as I'm progressing and getting better and I love what I do. Um, it's amazing. I am able to save money. Last year, even though I didn't make a lot of money, I had money saved up. I'm burning through it again because of other circumstances. But the point is, when you find what you love everything starts coming into balance. Everything starts coming around. And right now I host a lot of comedy shows. And for the first time in my life, I have a comedy show like every week. I'm doing oh, at wow. least one comedy show every week. This week is three. So I have one tonight. I have one tomorrow. And then I have one Saturday. So it's slow. So the one thing I want people to walk away from when they hear me, we all hope and dream to become our better selves. But when we hope and dream to become our better selves, if we think about it Monday, we want it on Friday. Yep. We don't realize that it might not come till Friday. It might not come until, you know, three years from now. So I say every week all the time, what do I want to be? I want to be a bookable public motivational speaker. And I also want to be a bookable comic. Now, when I say that, if I get a speech, so you're in Canada, if somebody pays for me to come up to Canada to speak, if there's a comedy club, I want to submit and say, hey, I'm going to be in town for two days. Can I get a spot on your, sh on your show? Why? That's going to enable me to get better as a comic. So now, anytime I'm going someplace, I'm only speaking during a day for like maybe an hour, two hours. That pays the bills. Yep. But what pays the passion is going on stage and making people laugh. Because I'm just, uh, how how far into, into cursing can we go? Oh, we can go as deep as you want to go. Okay. We serve strong tea here. So I'm a goofy motherfucker, <laughs> right? I'm just, I'm straight up goofy. I don't care. I have fun. And I do that because it balances out the seriousness because I'm a very serious person on the other side. I, I, I'm a walking duality. I'm very serious, but then I'm very, very goofy. And that walking duality, you know, I need to find ways to stretch both of them. So doing comedy stretches out the, the comic side of me. Doing you know, speaking to people and motivating kids. And I just did, you know, I spoke to kids that were third and fourth grade a couple of weeks ago. That stretches the other side of my brain of being a little bit more serious and giving a great message and motivating people to be their better selves. People will never understand because most people are programmed to just follow the template of life. What, grow up, find a job, get married, be miserable like everybody else, find happy in the misery, and then die. Well, Mark Lane, I really like that you said that, you know, we don't have that diversity, right? We're really the one-sided. We're programmed to be one way. 
society yes. and systems tell us to be this way. Like you said earlier in the schools, right? They tell us how to be, who to be, what to be, you know, instead of saying, hey, we have an incredible student here. Let them show us what they want to be. Let them pour out. And I love that you talked to the three and four, like grade threes and fours. I actually watched that. And that was pretty cool. You did an awesome job, Mark. Thank you. So. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize. It's worse for uh, black kids. And when I say that it's worse for black kids, it's worse for black kids because if you if you're black and you're falling between the cracks, they find a way to just get rid of you. Like they get you become dismissive. It's it's one thing if you're black and you're extremely smart. They'll find a way to kind of help you and elevate you because, hey, this kid is this kid's exceptional. This kid's exceptional as an athlete. He's exceptional as an artist. But the kids that have a high intelligence, so I'm not saying this to brag, and those people that know me personally will testify to this. I have 136 tested IQ. So I'm not brilliant, but I'm smart. And when you don't know how to direct that smartness, that brilliance, it falls through the cracks because there's a lot of brilliant people out there that don't know how to target their brilliance because there's so many thoughts and ideas. So people are amazed at the things that I do. And I always tell them, I just wanted to do it. Like I built a studio in my home. I just wanted to do it. That's well, it. And, we, and we have to be able to do that, right? We have to be able to say, you know what? I like this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. And I think that's what I got from, I, I watched a lot of your, of your, uh, presentations and that that you did in the schools and that because you wow, have incredible you. incredible in, incredible incredible content on his website so check out his website check out marklandspeaks.com because there are incredible different uh, diversities and different aspects like you come with different messages for different audience and i love the that you can you can make yourself different that's you know that's a gift that god gave me that a lot of people so I think a lot of people think when you get a gift, you get a gift and it's only one way. Hey, I got the gift of gab. I can only speak in comical sense. And really, I kind of knew this in high school. I had a class for public speaking. And that's probably the only class that I literally was, you know, like brilliant in. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. I'm a shy kid. I'm a very much, if you catch me in a bar and I'm not around my friends, I'm at the back just watching shit go down, but I'm a shy kid. I was always a shy kid. I was always scared. And it's weird. The minute a microphone got in my hand, the minute I started doing podcasting, the minute I got a microphone in my hand, and some of my friends say they see it. When I go on stage, you see a different side of me come to light. And I love it. And, you know, I tell people, yeah, I'm still struggling, but what's happening is slowly people are starting to recognize the work. And people, is, like you said, people are starting to understand he doesn't speak about one thing. No, nope. he could speak about a lot of things. And I provide facts. So I did something for Rotary. And for them, it was about how to get youth engagement. They were shocked that I went to their web page and I looked up the information on who they were and I kind of, you know, to get a sense of what they were doing, where they were going and how to engage. And I'm like, but that's rule number one of a public speaker. 
I don't want to just speak to you. Well, if you want to do youth engagement, this is how you do. No, I need to know where you're at. And a lot of people, when they want that check, they just want to, I'm going to come in. This is a platform. I'm just going to say what I got to say. And the reason, and, 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 and I'm going back and forth, but this is the reason why. This is the reason why public speaker and comic go hand in hand. It's the same side of the brain. Oh, interesting. People don't really realize it's it, your pub. When you're doing comedy, you're public speaking. Yeah, you are. You're just you're telling jokes now. When you're public speaking, you still got to find a way to keep their interest so that it's not always just dry, but there's a little bit of humor, but there's a little bit of this is the reason why you should pay attention. You got to learn to put passion into your voice. You got to learn the key words and the key phrases that's going to get people to latch on and make them be part of what you're doing. Make them know that I'm not here for you to watch. I'm here for you to participate. Because I'm learning the same way you're learning. It's an interesting thing that I do. And it's interesting that you're teaching me as, as we're going along with this tea this morning, you know, because it does make sense, public speaking and comedy and all that. It's, it's opening up to the public. It's opening up that uncomfortable zone because, and, and I like that you mentioned that you were a shy kid because I was a shy kid too. And look at where we are today. Look at in front of microphones. <laughs> we're just uh, talking away. People never understand, um, I, like one of the things I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to do on stage is just because I'm still uncomfortable talking about it is I have bad social anxiety. And that's why it's easy for me to get on stage with a microphone. I'm at the front of the room. I'm in charge. Yeah. But the minute you put me with too many people around me, I used to drink. And I wasn't an alcoholic, but I would I would do I would act out because I was drunk because I was nervous with all these people around me. And then the minute I put a microphone in my hand, I'm like, I'm not nervous anymore. You know, I'm here to do this job. I'm here to do what I said I'm going to do. And it's it's totally a different experience. It's and, and, and here's the thing I'm going to tell everybody. If you want to find out who you are at your core. Do stand-up comedy for six months, three months minimum. For three months, go to open mics, convince yourself to do some shows. You're going to find out who you are at your core. If more, and it's funny, there's a lot of colleges that are teaching comedy as a course now, right? Oh, well, look at that. There's a reason why it works. If you have the ability to talk to strangers in a nightclub and make them laugh you would find more people going into sales and staying in sales you would find more people becoming managers and executive managers not just because they've been there for 30 years but because they actually have the skill set to understand the dynamics of dealing with people from different walks of life like you said you saw on my shows i mean in my videos you can see me being able to talk to different audiences in different tones and different manu and maneuver it. That's a skill that you learn from doing stand-up. Yeah. I know there are certain audiences that I can't do my more racy stuff. And then I know well, and, and and you bring a good thing up, Markland. Research, right? Research yeah. your audience, research where you're speaking. You know, if you're just going in and you're just saying, oh, well, I'm going to give you 10 steps on how to heal yourself, 
and da 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 da, but don't have any clue that the audience doesn't give two shits about the 10 skills that you have, right? So research and, and it doesn't, you know, get ready. Like when I do DC times, I research my guests. Like I dig deep. Like I went and I watched all your videos. I checked out your YouTube channel. I checked out all of that good stuff. And Marklin, I found that you also have some books out there. So I want to talk about those books because I like the titles of the books because they're just right, plain and all, simple. And I love first it. First of all, I, I don't want to say I was prepared for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not necessarily prepared for it. But Boom, there they are. Brought it up. <laughs> so, Marklin, do you want to share a little bit on those books? Because I love the names of them. So when you're younger and you're talking and you're talking smack, everyone says, everyone says to you, oh, he's a shit talker. You don't, don't ignore him. You're a shit talker, but there's a lot you can learn from a shit talker. So I had a trip to, I, I'm going to tell you the story, how it came about. I had a trip to California and this piece came in front of me that said, you can write a book. Anyone can write a book if they want to write a book. That's always been in the back of my head. I want to write a book, right? Yeah. I want to write a book. I had a five-hour trip to California. I took an edible, opened up my laptop, and thus we got lessons from a shit talker. <laughs> Boom, there it is. <laughs> and anyone that's read the book, I've got, I have received a lot of, it's, this is the best way to put it. I've received a lot, and I mean a lot of positive feedback, how good the book is. And the reason why it hasn't sold as many is because I didn't have a lot of money for marketing. It's on Amazon. You can find it. But we all know marketing will sell anything. Yep. That book, if I had five grand for marketing, would sell itself. It's a, it's just like, it's basically taking the lessons that I've learned, talk about my history a little bit, but th to give you an idea of who I am, but then to, you know, explain these are the lessons I had to learn. And when people say, well, what do you mean? So I'm just going to do this real quick. Cause since you brought it up, I just got to do this. Cause you know, it's your fault. <laughs> chapter three, I'll take the blame. <laughs> chapter three is simple. Know what you want. Anything you want to do in life, you have to know what you want. You can't say, I'm thinking about, or I would like to. You have to know what you want because knowing what you want will help you start what you're doing. I started doing podcasting. Podcasting evolved. I still interview people. I started doing this little thing called comic conversations with its little stitches, like minute long stitches from hour long conversations I'm having with comics. People are loving it. I've got over, I did nine of them and I've got over 15,000 views. Wow. And I'm not saying it to brag because 15,000 ain't much for nine, you know, for nine videos, but they're one minute long. And basically it's just funny pieces of the interviews. Like I got an interview tonight. How did I get there? Because I've been interviewing people for so long, I know how to ask questions and how to bring them in and how to go about it. So lessons from a shit talker is about following your dreams and doing what, you know, figuring out what you love to do and knowing what you want, how you want to do it. Then from there, I used to tell people about interesting conversations I had with people on Facebook. 
And a lot of people never believed me. They were like, nah, people aren't that bad. I'm like, uh, yes, they are. The minute you give them a keyboard. And the problem was people think automatically that you don't know who they are or that, oh, it's just Facebook. So what I did was I took a lot of my threads and I created this. It's called Facebook Conversations, The Good, The Funny, The Ugly. What I love about that book was I transcribed the conversations. I left my name the same, but then I changed everybody else's name so you don't know who they are. Now, there was good and there was bad. The good, people that read it was like, wow, this is like an emotional strain because it's 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 you're really when you on the outside looking in you see how disgusting people can be but then now when i post a lot of people don't interact with me because they're like man if i say the wrong thing he's going to put it in a book so it worked but it's counterproductive and again it did I, you know i sold a couple of copies and um as I start doing comedy shows, as I start doing corporate gigs and stuff like that, I'm going to have the books with me. I'm working on my third book right now, and I think um, I, I kept changing the title around, and I the third book is really going to be on racism, and it's really – I think I'm going to call it Racism Conversations, The Hurt, The Humor, The Healing. And the reason being is because you got to look at racism as the hurtful side of it the humorous side of it and the healing side of it. And I will say this for anyone out there watching your show that doesn't want to hear it. That's fine, but you're going to hear it from me. There's a problem that we still don't talk about racism from the point of view of black men. Yes. We talk about it from the view of the black man as make sure that I give a kumbaya speech. Make sure I give you that speech about I don't want to be a victim and I'm not. And, 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 and that's how we always got to do it. I approach it as look who I am, look what I do and look who I'm around. But my experience as a black man should not be dismissed because I still experience this world differently than everyone else. I change a room by walking in. How many people can say they change a room by walking in? I change a room because people know, holy shit, this guy doesn't put up with shit. So if we're going to bring up certain subjects, be ready. He might light us up. Because I don't say things to hurt. I say things to help. And a lot of people are scared of that voice. And I'm no victim. Every bad choice I've ever made in life, I've, I've paid the repercussions for. I don't blame white people for my lifestyle. And that's one thing that people think happens when you talk about racism. White people are not at fault. But there's a systematic, there's a systematic racism that exists that stops black people, some, from excelling because they can't get the same opportunities based off of skin tone alone. And if it's too hard for people to realize that, there's a problem. Exactly. A white woman could have no speaking ability. A white woman could have never spoken to a group. All of a sudden, she wants to share her story how she was an alcoholic, abused wife. Never wrote a book. 
never did big speaking gigs. She can go to her local school and say, I want to talk to other kids because white girls are going to grow up and possibly be like this, and I want to stop it. You know what the school will do? How much do you want for this? Come in, give us the story. Right? Yep. As a black man, they want to check me 85 times over. What's his credentials to talk about racism? Uh, He's black. He's talking about it from his experience. Oh, he used to do a podcast called The Adult Conversation. What does that have to do with him talking about racism? They find excuses to not hear the story because they don't want to feel guilty. But here's the thing. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to recognize that I experience the world differently. And I do. And I, I experience it differently from black people and from white people. And that's what the third book, I'm sorry not to get too far. That's what the third book is going to be about. And I'm still in the middle of pulling it together. I did some well, I dynamic think, uh, interviews. Well, Mark, and I think those are a good key points that you've made. You know, I'm a white woman. I'm sitting here. I'm not offended by anything you have just said because it is the facts. It's the truth. We, we don't get checked. We don't get like, oh, well, why can he speak on this? Why can't, you know, why are we judging people? Why can we not just open our hearts and our doors and say, you know what? This man has a speech. He wants to share it. He wants to share his story. Why do we have to go through different avenues and different opportunities because of our skin color? And all of my listeners out there, you know, Miss Liz is real and raw. I don't, I don't hold back. I am not a racist. My grandson is black. So I am very, very strict on how black men are treated because my grandson gets treated differently than his own grandmother does. So thank you, Marklin, for saying that. And it's amazing. Here's the thing that I love. I love that you said you recognize that. Yes, I do. That's what this talk about racism is. Recognize that we get treated differently. I love my dad was a gym teacher. Like remember when I said my dad was like one of the influences in my life? Yes. I didn't realize the reason why I always want to have hoodies and sweatpants around is because my dad was a gym teacher and he was always in hoodies and sweatpants. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm literally, you know, I want to be like Mike. No, I want to be like dad, you know? Yeah. And you know, like you see what I'm wearing now. This is one of my uh this is my uh special logo. Uh, that was from a speech I did for Black Lives Matters. And this the guy took a picture of me from behind. I showed it to a friend of mine. And he was like, that's your logo. That's you. And now everything I wear has this logo and it's on the back of the jacket too. But my point that I'm making to people is you always got to realize. So this goes back to what I was saying in the first book. Know what you want. And when you know what you want, do not let people deter you. Do not let people tell you. I've met obstacles. So when I talk about the obstacles, I'm not saying poor me. Exactly. I'm saying if you're going to make me go through eight hurdles to talk to kids, then that white woman who used to be a drunk, who was doing all types of crazy shit, she should go through eight hurdles as well. Exactly. Exactly. All, keep it fair across the board. Don't make me jump the eight hurdles and you see this white woman and because, oh, well, you know, she's fine, upstanding citizen. Why? Because you label her a fine, upstanding citizen. How many times do we find out these fine, upstanding citizens doing the worst shit behind closed doors? You exactly. know what I mean? So here's someone that's open. And the reason why I always call things real talk is real talk is different to everyone. It is. 
And that's what people don't get. And closed-minded, ignorant people that try to mock the term real talk don't understand your real talk is going to be different from mine. These are the nuances of being an intelligent person. When you lack intelligence and you just, you, you basically you regurgitate what you've been told, you don't hold a candle to anyone that thinks outside of the box because you're unable, you're incapable. And that's the reason why I, I made the, the second book, Facebook Conversations. You can tell how people buy into the indoctrinated belief of their superiority, their indoctrinated belief that their political ideology makes them better than other people. I had a, I had a guy call me a clown the other day because I was like, hey, I want to interview people on racism. And I said, thank you. Thank you for calling me a clown. Because you know what that means? That means I've impacted your life. I've impacted your life so much that you're going out your way to tell people that I'm a clown. You're going out your way to have an opinion about me who has no impact on your life. I don't exactly. decide when you wake up. I don't decide if your car goes. I don't decide if your mortgage gets paid. Nothing I do impacts your life. But little insignificant me has impacted your life so much that you go out your way to name call, to tell people about me. You know what that means? It means I'm a man of influence. Yes. I've done my job. I influence you. When you see my presence, my presence is groundbreaking. My presence is earth shattering. I do things that you wish you can do. You wish you could go on stage and make people laugh. You wish you had people that wanted to listen to your voice. Because when people can hear your voice, that means you're making an impact. And then when I die, when God calls me home, whatever, Jehovah, uh, whoever it is, when I'm called home, I want to know I left an impact. That's what it's about. That's why we're on this planet. That's why I want to speak to kids and to adults. Because people need to find who they are and understand they are more than these little windows that we're put into. And if you believe that you have more to offer, then follow it. Know what you want and go for it. I love that, Mark. Mark Lynn, thank you so much because I love real talk people. I I love people that are outside of that damn window. You know, if you want to break the window, break the window. But I'm not telling anybody to go out and break a window. <laughs> this is not telling you to break windows. But I'm saying be real, be authentic, be your true self. And and like you said, that guy went out of his way to call you a clown. It, it, and why for? Why did he make that effort, right? Like, why are we doing these things? Like, Markman, thank you for being real. And I love real talk speakers. And that's what we do on Tea Time is we share strong tea here. We don't serve the beverage. We serve teaching educational awareness. So, Markman, I want to get into your tea. What tea are you serving me this morning if I give you those three letters? Oh, man, see, I, first of all, I want to say forget you for giving me assignments. <laughs> I, I give know, my guest homework. <laughs> you should have you should have put this in the email. Like, by the way, I'm gonna give you these three letters. I need you to come up with stuff. So I came up with tenacious because I'm tenacious and I came up with energetic because I'm energetic and I came out with accountability. As I become older and more into what I'm doing, I'm finding that I need to be more accountable about the things I do. I need to really kind of hold a flame. Like I, I, I've sought out a mentor for public speaking. You know, I love the fact that you went to my website. He complimented me and said, my website, my website was better than his. 
you know? And I'm like, well, I kind of hired someone and kind of told her how I wanted to look. But what I love more is that you went, instead of you just, you know, like a lot of people skim a website. You went oh, no, down, I don't. <laughs> you went down and you watched the videos. So now because you watched the videos, you were able to be like, oh, oh shit, this guy's not what I thought he was. Because up front, when I say comic, and then you also find out I do public speaking, you would think, oh, he's just going to try to find a way to turn his comedy into a speech. When you all of a sudden go in and see the different videos in the different audiences, you start realizing this guy's a lot more dynamic than what I thought. Even reading my biography, you don't realize how, di and I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I've had people from the outside look in and tell me, why are you not bigger than you are? Because holy shit, you're dynamic. You don't just speak for one voice. And for me, the accountability side is I'm trying to be more uh, progressive in the thought of, yes, I am. And what are the ways that I could think outside of the box and put myself in front of people? And I realize, you know, I've got to do more. So I'm joining with the New Jersey, in New Jersey, they have the uh, juvenile justice center. I'm joining with them and I'm going to work on some speeches. And I had three great interviews with them. And again, they went to the website and they were like, holy shit. Like this guy wants to, and I said, and I was honest with them, full disclosure. I've been having a tough time getting into schools. If I speak with your kids and I do well, I know the schools are going to open up to me. Yep. They're going to want to talk to me because they're going to understand like, holy crap, this guy's dynamic. And if he can speak to juveniles, imagine what he can do with these kids. So unfortunately, the process is a little bit harder, but, you know, I'm going through it. So what is that about the youths, Parkland, that you really want to hit hard on? Our youth is misguided these days and they're lost. And what I mean by they're lost is nobody, nobody is speaking to the youth about being, being their authentic selves and following a passion and believing in who they are. You know, I did a speech a couple of years ago and it was like, uh, who are you? And it was about identifying who you are and understanding you don't have to be who, you, whoever you are today is not who you are tomorrow, but it's a starting point. Everything has a starting point. I went to uh, I, I went to culinary school when I started, but I just did it to get out of the house. Then from culinary school, I decided that I was going to, okay, I'm in culinary school. After that, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me because I'm not going to cook for a bunch of people and have them say some wild shit to me. I might take the food and throw it at them. Like, you ain't going to talk to me like that. But after that, I just, you know, I squandered around. And I kind of always knew I wanted to do radio. I kind of always knew I wanted to. But I didn't know how to do it. You know, it was a question, but there was no answer because I wasn't in the environment. And I, one of the messages I want to bring to kids, if you want to do it, put yourself in the environment to do it. Schools are not teaching kids this simple lesson. They teach it when you want to be a soccer player. They put the kid into soccer and say, you need to play soccer all the time if you want to go professional. They do it if you're an accelerated student and you're good at English or you're good at math. They put you in these areas. But what if you're just a guy that just likes to tinker around on cars? 
They've got rid of shop class. They don't have sh- they don't have class anymore for kids to just tinker around on cars. So now if a kid knows he likes cars, but he doesn't know what to do, and it's like, well, maybe what you need to do is go to Jiffy Lube or AutoZone and, hey, what can I do to work with you? Go to a local mechanic and say, I want to learn more about cars. Can you teach me how to change oil? Start from there. Because when you start, you'll find out quick if it's not your thing. I started doing podcasting and I loved it. Podcasting, you know, evolved into me hosting. Hosting evolved me into doing stand-up. And when I started doing stand-up, a lot of people looked at me crazy like, wow, you're way too comfortable on that microphone. Well, I've been doing podcasting for so long, I just removed the camera and now I'm on the stage in front of people. But I'm still nervous when I get up on stage. I'm just comfortable on stage now. I like being up there. I want to, nope. I want to ask you this question as a podcaster, podcast to podcast. When you go and start a live, do you get anxiety? Um, I will be honest with you at this point. No, because I've been doing it for so long and I've had so many views and I'm not, listen, I'm not famous. Some, I will tell you the most humblest thing is when you run into somebody every now and then and they're like, man, I caught your podcast. I went to Greece a couple of years ago and some dude saw the name because I had some jerseys and it said, Mr. Direct on the back of Real Talk. And the guy was an American, but I was in Greece. He was like, you do a bot, you do a podcast called Mr. Direct's Real Talk. And I'm like, damn, in Greece? <laughs> and it was the weird... and and. I'm not famous. I'm not famous by any stretch of the imagination. But the fact that I was just randomly somewhere and someone caught it. That to me was like, wow, I'm doing something right. You know, something is there. And and, and listen, I could die doing what I'm doing and never be famous, which, you know, it's not about being famous, it's about being happy. I could die and the fame never came or the money never came, I'll be happy because I love what I do. You know, if I could find a job, podcast, like I would love to find a job where I could podcast and people would be like, yo, we love your personality because it's funny, I just did a video for a friend of mine and I'm coaching him on how to be in front of the camera. And so I sent him a text. I said, do me a favor, bro. Just practice saying this for for like three or four minutes every day. And he's like, yeah, dude, I looked stiff as hell, didn't I? I'm like, yeah, bro, you looked nervous as shit. Like, and he just he just looked at me and I go, you got to understand something. I have a unique gift, but my unique gift I share with people because I want people when they do this to accelerate at it. I don't care if you you come from me, you go to somewhere else and you become more famous than me. It's not about that. I want to be happy. And, the, you know, part of my happiness was transient. So I'm trying to find a way to market myself to a broader audience so I can go to California, so I can go to Washington, I can go to Hawaii. I want to be able to do all these things and be able to enjoy myself. But I want to influence and impact the life. If I speak to 100 people, one person out there says, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to follow my dream, I've made an impact. 
Well, you've really made an impact on Tea Time this morning. So I want to thank you again, Markland. And again, at the beginning of the show, I couldn't even say his name right. So look at practice, repetition, like keep trying until you get it right. I finally got it right. In the beginning, I was calling him Marco. So uh, we, we have Marklin T. Johnson here. And Marklin, I want to get into your favorite colors and your one word that you gave me. But you actually gave me three words and, and, and a big old LOL. So that kind of shows you, right? So you, the word that you gave me was passionately real talk. So let's get into that word. Why that word for? Uh, passionately real talk? It's about being your authentic self. And when you're honest with people... Like, so here's the thing. People claim they love honesty, but they don't. What they love is to be told a lie and, 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 and use the lie as a way to say they're being honest. You know, a perfect example, since we can all be honest, I was um kind of talking to someone real quick and it was based off of we were just going to be hooking up. Nothing real, just a hookup. I'm too busy. I don't have time. It is what it is. And she didn't want to mess with me anymore. And she wasn't attracted to me, but she couldn't tell me she wasn't attracted. So she would say to me, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I got this. Or she would avoid me altogether. So when I would call her out, she said I was being aggressive. She said I was being mean. I said, no, it's called honesty. And she said, well, if you want the honesty, I'm just not attracted to you. And I'm like, then why didn't you just say that? Yeah. And she goes, just because I'm not, she goes, just because I'm not attracted to you doesn't mean I wouldn't sleep with you again. And I said to her, but if you're not attracted to me, why would you sleep with me again? Right. Because if I'm not attracted to you, you ain't getting it. Yeah. And it's, I'll be honest with you. I, it's hard for me to sustain relationships in what I do. So I kind of walk away from relationships and I kind of just kind of leave them by the wayside. And I'm trying to be better about being honest and more transparent about who I am and what I'm going through. And that's part of the whole real talk, you know, passionately real talk. You have to be honest with yourself if you want to be honest with other people. And some people don't know how to take the honesty. Some people don't, some people don't understand, you know, Especially, and I will say this, dating, women expect men to be okay with rejection. You know what I mean? We're supposed to shoot our shot, and if you say you don't want us, we're supposed to be okay with that, right? But women don't know how to deal with being rejected once they decide they've got their eye and their focus in on you. They don't know how to be like, eh, he doesn't want me, it's okay, and part of that is because women have been told their whole entire life that no man should resist you. You are a gift and every man should want you. But the problem is sometimes it's not like that. No. You know what I mean? Sometimes somebody and somebody not wanting you in a sexual way or romantic way, it's not a knock on who you are. It means you didn't connect or bond that way. And I'm only using this as the example because I'm finding more and more people, especially in a dating world, nothing's more real than the dating world. Yeah. Right. And I'm finding a lot of women, you know, divorced, you know, oh, I haven't had sex for three years. I haven't had sex for five years. Oh, I'm waiting for that good for the for the for the it guy before I do it again. And I'm like, 
So you wasting all your good screwing years because you're waiting for the right guy. And I go, the right guy is going to be a piece of shit because he's going to tell you what you want to hear. And then you're going to be even more angry because you held out. Go get you some. Stop this whole entire, I'm waiting for the right man to come around. Make some bad decisions, damn it. Make a couple right. of bad decisions. Get Choose a little a dirt. <laughs> Choose a guy and just say, listen, this is all this is. But don't date him. Don't expect him to whine you and dine you and make you feel good. Just listen, I'm going to give you a special gift. We're adults. You got needs. I got needs. Let's be honest with each other. Yes. Dating would not be so hard if people were just more honest with each other. Well, and you made a good point, Marlon, because you had said that that girl wasn't attracted to you, but she said, I'll still sleep with you, right? So, uh, hello, like, you know, and and I, I really like that you're bringing some good, strong points. As a man and as a woman, we're, we're both opposite sex here. And you're saying the women can't stand rejection. I'm a woman, and I'm going to tell you, it hurts hard, but a man has feelings too. A man still bleeds red too. Women out there, like you know, like we gotta be more open with our men and be honest, like you said, Martha. So I really want to thank you for that because I really am looking at both sides here and saying, you know what, it's true. Men feel that rejection too, you know. And we do. It's no man wants to be rejected. No woman wants to be rejected. The difference is, is that we're told that men are not supposed to show their emotion and women are told it's okay if you show your emotion. And, and the thing is, women will always sucker the man or they'll always convince the other woman. They'll convince their friend, girl, he wasn't good enough for you anyway. Girl, he doesn't know how special you are. His loss, his loss. No, there's not a connection there. Yeah. Stop Stop trying to make the man the bad guy because he didn't want you sexually or he didn't want you romantically. You know, I, I, I will say this. Sometimes the biggest mistakes we make is rushing into having sex with someone. Exactly. Because we get confused with the sex and the emotions and everything else. And then we don't realize that a person could have been better as a friend. And men and women can be friends, but men and women can be friends when we take sex off the table. Exactly. Now, when you do like each other enough and you're like, hey, we kind of get, uh, we're kind of here, we kind of dig each other, then you could cross that line. But if you cross that line, you got to be prepared. There might not be any coming back. Yep. But men and women can, I, there are women I've been friends with for years that I've never had sex with. You know what I mean? There's women that I used to have sex with and I'm better friends with them than I was as a dating person because I knew like, I, and I'm being honest with you. I don't know honestly how to date. You know, it's, but it's we're not, we're not taught how to date. We're not. And the thing well, is, we, there's we, no lessons out there. We, we just jump in it and we're like, Oh, okay. We have to have sex. Cause that's what dating people do is they have sex, right? They just jump in bed. Okay. Now what do they do after they have sex? Oh, oh, this is where we have to hold hands. And this is where we have to, oh, we have to, we have it all ass backwards. Like, <laughs> again, when I said I'm socially weird, I'm socially weird. When it comes to dating, I am socially weird. And somebody's going to watch this and someone's going to have 50 million opinions about Oh, me. I know. <laughs> and, oh, well, you were being your authentic self and they're going to have 80 million. Here's the deal. Mind your goddamn business. Leave me the hell alone. Right. 
right? We're, I don't we're, need, we're gonna get judge either way. I don't so need be yourself. I don't need a dissertation on who I am and what I said on some show. Like that's the other thing I hate about being a public figure. Everybody, well, you said this on this show and you said that and blah 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 blah. You know what? Take the time to get to know me and take the time to have conversations with me. Exactly. I am a complicated individual. Very much so. Do not think everything you know. There are there are levels to my nut to my nut jobness. Level. Well, and there's different levels for different people that you have conversations with too. One you might open up a little bit more, one you might be more relaxed. It and this is what it is about different unique individuals you know i get judged a lot because i'm just like you know what i'm gonna be me because you're gonna judge me either way if i'm the fancy mancy miss liz or if i'm the shit talker miss liz who curses and oh my god i i said the word shit or you know or hell or something like i'm still a good individual my heart is still good so get to know me and it's like you said markling get to know me before you judge me before you get, do that big investigation of eight investigations to see if I'm the right speaker, right? And you know what? And that's the other part that sucks about dating. They put too much power in women's hands. Right? Women now can go Google you and decide if you're worth, whatever happened to the natural, let's meet at a bar and if we like each other, we do, we don't, you're taking your chances, right? Women now will look at someone's dating profile. He don't make enough money. He don't drive a right car. He don't have a 401k. Everybody is looking for reasons to eliminate people yep. versus the natural instinct of, ooh, I think you're interested. I'm intrigued by you. I think I might want to hook up with you. Let's see where this goes. Everybody wants somebody to fit. And here's a reason, and I say this all the time. You know why so many women are single? Because 80 million women are all trying to date 2% of men. And 80 million women trying to date two, every, every, if you are the man that's making six figures, you got a house, a retirement fund, and you're good looking, and you're social, and you go on your exotic vacations, the world is your oyster because 80 million women want that penis. Sorry not to be too graphic, but that's the facts. Every woman is chasing this one man, right? And then they complain about the men, and it's like, is there a problem with the guy? With the guy, excuse me, I got the hiccup, sorry. <laughs> is there a problem with the man, or is the real problem that he's not perfect like you think he's supposed to be perfect? Because as a man, it's okay if I'm rich, it's okay for you to be financially unstable because I'm supposed to be strong enough to take on your debt and fix it and get us up to speed, right? But society has told you as a woman, if you're making $500,000 a year, I better be making $500,000 a year or better. And that's acceptable, right? Yeah. And women, all these, it's amazing how many women say to me, and I'm, I'm using this as a conversation about being real and honest and authentic. Women have this kind women seem to think, okay, I'm make. so I knew a girl that was a, a millionaire, filthy, stinking rich. And she goes, I'll only date a guy with a helicopter. I'm like, yeah, but you're a little bit of a nut job. So to be <laughs> honest with you, You'll meet a guy, but if you're a millionaire and he's a millionaire, 
Nine times out of 10, unless he's retired, you guys are not going to have any time for that relationship because you're both working to maintain that money level because she's a working millionaire, right? Yeah. So if you're both working millionaires, you're working to maintain the lifestyle versus someone who's a trust fund millionaire. And he's like, listen, I, I have this money. So I get to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I don't have to worry about it, which is great, dynamic, beautiful thing. I think men and women need to find – the reason why I will always say real talk is men and women need to find a way to just be honest with each other. And in that honesty, more women, more men and more women will know how to get along. More men and more women will learn. you know. And women, stop only hanging with your girlfriends. Get some men friends. I got a lot of men friends. A lot of people are like, oh my God, Miss Liz has lots of males. And I'm like, yeah, but those males look out for me. They'll look uh, out for you. And you know what they'll also do, which a lot of women don't understand. They'll tell you if a man is up to shit. Exactly. And a lot of women are scared. Be like, oh, you want to sleep with me? It's like, yeah, I might want to sleep with you, but you're my friend. So I'm going to tell you, the, I'm going to tell you the truth first. I might want to, at least the thing about men are men can still separate their penis from their brain exactly that's why at a young age men can sleep around with so many women because men's hearts are not attached to their penis so if a man becomes friends with you he could still be attracted to you and say "Mm, you sexy as hell but if you've established that you're friends he could still be like yo i'm gonna give you the truth this man's a piece of shit yep and that's why I have a lot of male friends because I need to know when there's a lot of piece of shit coming at me. <laughs> so, Marklin, I want to really thank you for sitting and having tea with me this morning. And oh, that was my phone. It's a text. Oh, to I thought computer. it was on my end. I got ear ears over that's here. That's my magic computer. Ears. I got every. Listen, <laughs> uh, so one of my past lives, I was a corporate IT tech, and I really got into IT. So I'm a little bit of a geek, little bit, little bit. Just a little, 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 little bit. Well, I want to thank you again, Marklin, for joining me t- this morning and sharing your tea and sharing real talk because that's what tea time is here. It's teaching educational awareness that we all can make a difference. All walks of life are at this table. There's no judgment. There's no uh, uh, who is better, who is not better. You know, we don't have any races here. We don't have any of that. No judgments. We're all individuals. We all bleed red and we all are real people here on tea time. So I want to thank you, Marklin, for that. And thank you for having the patience with me when I first started calling you Marco. So, you know, we, we went from Marco to Marklin. I, and, you I know, you sometimes you have to just ease in can until I, can you I get it. Can I tell you the truth? <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. I'm used to it. Everyone screws up my name. They butcher it. That's why my stage name is Mr. Direct. How can you butcher Mr. Direct? <laughs> you can't. I love that. You can't. But you damn sure can butcher Marklin for some reason. <laughs> well, it's not an it's not an, an it's not a name that you hear a lot of. Like even when you sent me your information, I was like, oh, okay, Marklin. You never hear Marklin. You hear Mark or you know Lynn, but you don't hear I, Marklin. I, no, and I and it is a very unusual name. I totally see where you're coming with that. The the reality is um, I don't know where the name came from. It's my name. It's the name I use. People that have known me for a long time just call me Mark. And I know the voice. So if you're a voice that I don't know and you call me Mark, I will look at you like your head spin around 20 times. 
And people will try to shorten my name. And I look at people. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> and they'll be like, what? That's your, I go, no, my name is Markling. And it, it, it's, 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 it's the, I will tell you this. And this is just as a man, the subtle disrespect that I, that you felt so comfortable to shorten my name when I didn't ask you, but I totally understand when people butcher the name because it's been butch. I've been called Marilyn. I've been called Marlin. I've been called Mark Lynn. I've been called Mark Lynn. I like these just people love butchering my name. It's normal. Well, I want to thank you again, Mark Lynn. And I want to really thank you for being real. And we'll be back this afternoon at 3 p.m. with Francine Cosman. Uh, Cosman and she is the first mayor of Nova Scotia in Canada. Uh, she's 82. So we're going to sit and we're going to talk politics. So it's going to be a deep hard tea as well. And then we're going to finish up today's Thursday with David A. Bowles, an, a Western author. So we're going to be talking about the wild, wild west. That's what we do here. We do all different kinds of flavors. So if one tea doesn't resonate with you, I guarantee one other one will. So again, thank you, Markland, for joining me on Tea Time. Don't leave. I'm just going to close up the live and we're going to continue at 3 p.m. with the second guest of this week on Thursday. Thank you. Appreciate you.